For our younger listeners this morning, three things for you to be listening for. The first, count the number of times I say God. The second, what kind of voice can we be? And the third, where is God? Three things to be listening for. Well, I've been an associate pastor for the last seven years, which means that on average, I have preached every four to six weeks. And somehow, I have been the preacher on at least four different occasions after a mass shooting. There was Sandy Hook, Charleston, Orlando, Parkland. There was also Michael Brown in Ferguson, Missouri. So I want to say that I don't have the words to speak when such a tragedy like the one at Saugus High School in Santa Clarita, California happens, but what I really need to say is that I feel like I have run out of words to say when something like this happens. I still don't know how to make sense of it. I still feel heartbroken. I still worry about my children and the drills they go through at their schools. None of that has changed. So you can understand my being of two minds about listening to the requiem that we've just heard, a requiem for families of victims of gun violence. On the one hand, I was excited is not really the word, energized maybe, that we would be bringing this conversation into the midst of the, converse, into the congregation, that worship would be the context in which we would come to this conversation. And on the other hand, I knew about the plan to have this piece be a part of worship for months before I could bring myself to listen to it. I didn't want to relive the sorrow of the reality of the world on a particular day when that sorrow wasn't even the breaking news story. Leah asked if I'd come and pray with the choir as rehearsing this piece makes one shoulder the heavy weight of grief. I showed up last Thursday having just heard the news about Asaga's high school and one choir member said to me, it seems even more poignant to be doing this piece now. And all I could do was shrug and say, yeah. Another choir member pointed out what a sad state of affairs it was, that all of our reactions seemed to be a shrug and a yeah. We've lived through this so many times before. We all know that suffering is a hallmark of a human experience. We have all experienced it in one way or another and to varying degrees within our own lives. Maybe you've been miserable in a job. You didn't get into the school you wanted. A loved one died too soon. You've been diagnosed with a life-altering illness. You've gone through a divorce. The list is endless. And it starts before we can even talk and we have to suffer through our mother giving the yellow bowl that we really wanted to eat the cereal out of to an older brother. Now my father always says Presbyterians don't gamble, but I would bet that we've all uttered in one form or another, God, why is this happening? Just as we experience an array of personal suffering, we also experience suffering in the collective in a communal way. I didn't directly know anyone who was involved in any of the incidents I mentioned, and yet I have grieved and questioned along with many across the nation and the world. 
This past week alone, we've watched and heard about shootings, war, impeachment, and I'm confident that I'm not the only one who's felt the impact of all of these things, even though they may be miles and miles away from here. These experiences are times when we find ourselves asking or hear others question, why did this need to happen? Why didn't God stop this? These questions of why and where is God are not new. People have been asking them as long as there have been people. The Bible is full of stories of people wandering about these very things. And since there have been people asking the question, there have been people seeking an answer. Some people respond that God is not powerful enough to stop these bad things from happening. Others say that God gives us these instances of suffering to test us and to deepen our faith. Still others believe that God creates situations to punish us for bad behavior. Some would say that God set the world into motion with all of its own physical laws and our free will and then stepped back to let it do its thing. We could find biblical texts to support each of these theories as well as to counter them. And we wouldn't need to look any farther than the book of Job from which we read this morning. But friends, we remind ourselves every Advent that God took on flesh and lived among us. God became human and dwelled in our midst in the person of Jesus. This person of Jesus who was born in a stable to unwed parents, barely escaping the decreed extermination of babies like him. This person of Jesus who continued to battle oppression and hatred and repressive systems And as we remember during Holy Week, God in the human form of Jesus carried the cross and was crucified and died on it. Jesus was well acquainted with suffering. And so while I can't give you an A plus B equals C answer to these existential questions about God and suffering, while I can't take a picture and show you proof of God's presence in these moments, I feel confident that God did not abandon Jesus in his darkest hour. And therefore, I believe, though sometimes I too need to be reminded, that God does not abandon us either. God was not, is not exempt from suffering. So where does that leave us? I could continue in an academic way to explore all these different theories of theodicy and the differences between suffering and evil and what God can do or chooses not to do. We could debate the views of different philosophers and theologians on this topic till the cows come home. And that would be interesting. And we'd walk away with new vocabulary words and topics of conversation. But a large portion of my time is spent in hospital rooms and beside beds and at coffee shops and on the phone with people who are crying out, my God, my God, why? And the answer they're looking for doesn't come wrapped up in theory. And quoting ancient theologians doesn't help them make it through the next moment, through waiting for the surgeon to come or the phone call about mom or the report card that details the trouble their child is having in school. At the end of the day, what they need, what I need, what I think we all need, are people around us who can sit with us in our pain 
and help us to see that the suffering we are going through, the brokenness that the world is grappling with, is not something we have to do in solitude. This passage from Job seems to be a reflective interlude between Job's speeches in chapters 27 and 29, which also serves to prepare Job and the reader for God's response to Job at the end of the book. This passage highlights the human desire for knowledge and understanding. It hints at our tendency to think that we can obtain anything. We just need to gather enough gold and jewels and surely we'll be able to pay for whatever we want. But it also points out that this is not actually how the world works. Wisdom is something that God holds. And God doesn't care about gold or jewels or even pearls. Even death and Abandon, Abandon which is a place of destruction, a bottomless pit which is often referenced along with Sheol, so the place of death, even these don't hold answers. But they've heard a rumor of this hidden knowledge. As one commentator writes, humankind cannot find wisdom by searching for it as though it could be mined or purchased. One cannot possess wisdom, one can only embody it. So, if God is the bearer of the things we seek, then we do well to seek God, to study, to listen, to pray, to trust, to ask of God and about God. In doing that, we find answers we need. Now, they may not be the answers to the questions we're asking, which can be frustrating and annoying, but they are nevertheless what we need. I think the Requiem we just listened to is an incredible example of that. I came to this piece wanting answers, wanting a call to action, wanting something I could do in the face of the violence that is all around us. And instead, we hear a message of peace and of blessing and of God's presence. I think that message is the one that we are called to bring forth into the world. There are all kinds of voices competing to be heard, many of which are destructive and divisive and loud. But what we can do is be an alternative voice, a voice that gives a blessing, a voice that asks for peace, a voice that brings beauty into an agitated situation, a voice that may not drown out all the sounds and reality of pain, of violence, of unraveling, but one that can offer a counter to it, a solace, a note of grace. To depart from evil is understanding, these words from Job are profound, and they are the good news that we seek. When we separate ourselves from that which is not good, from that which seeks to separate us from God, that is where new life lives. Now, to separate ourselves from it doesn't mean that we get to go into hiding or in isolation to keep away from it. We still need to be engaging it in some way. We just don't need to let it dictate our lives. Working for justice means coming face to face with the evils of the world, but not being subsumed by them. Working for peace means finding ways to help others depart from evil that we might lessen its grip on the world. And while all of this is difficult and can be exhausting both mentally and physically, the good news is that God is with us in all of it. And we have a model in Jesus of how to do these things. 
Jesus witnesses, experiences, and names the pain and suffering of the world. And he speaks to God's grace and love in the midst of it. Where is God? When bad things happen, God is right there on the front lines, helping us to wrestle with those things, to make good come from them, to experience transformation. That's where God is, and that's where God calls us to be. God calls us to walk with Jesus to the cross just as he walks with us in our everyday lives. But the walk doesn't end there. It keeps going to Easter morning. Our witness as Christians is that pain, suffering, and death do not get the last word. They're real and we need to sit in those places, but we sit with a mind toward resurrection. We sit with a mind that reminds us and helps us work towards God's kingdom here on earth. Friends, we worship and believe in a mysterious God the God who created the heaven and the earth, who knows each of us by name and can count all of the hairs on our heads. Some days I'm not quite sure why I continue to believe because I often want a God who will answer all of my questions in a timely and concrete way, and yet here I am, living in the beauty of this mystery, trying to find the words to express what I so deeply believe about God's presence in our lives. So hear this message of peace and of blessing. Truly, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. May it rest with you. And may you bring this message into the world. Alleluia and amen.